I'm not going home. I'm going to get on my boat and I'm going up river and I'm going to kick that son of a bitch bison's ass so hard that the next bison wannabe is going to feel it. Now, who wants to go home and who wants to go with me? Hello there and welcome to the first Agent Prince's Feast of Fun podcast. It's a new venture I decided to try aside from my uh, uh, blog on video games, movies and, and the like. First of all I'd like to go through um, what I've been doing for the last month, the month of uh, May 2018. So I want to take you through all the noteworthy strands of entertainment that I've sampled in the last month. No set criteria, keep it conversational. Um, basically just want to give you a feel for the listener of, of what I've been watching, what I've been playing, what I've been maybe reading or something like that. So without further ado, delay, here we go. So firstly, it's uh, I'm going to tackle video games. I acquired the new God of War on the PlayStation 4. Um, only played a few hours so far. Um, arrived in the first new realm. Don't want to give any spoilers away at this point, obviously. But I have to say, first of all, it looks absolutely fantastic. I don't have a PS4 Pro or a 4K television, but it looks absolutely beautiful and it's quite mesmerising to to watch in fact. But other than that, I'm finding it a little bit pedestrian at the moment. It seems to have blitzed a couple of boss style fights at the beginning that were quite epic to be fair. But it seems to have slowed down a hell of a lot, a lot of wandering around. I can tell it's a bit of a slow burn experience, nothing like the other God of War games of course, which only lasts a few hours in total. Um, not that I think it's poor or anything like that. Obviously the combat system, the levelling up system, it's all designed to be a slow burn, kind of a, an RPG type feel to it almost. But the combat is getting a lot better. Now I've got more skills and things like that. So I, I can imagine it's going to erupt like a, a volcano at some point. But can't wait to see more of that. Carrying on the, the God of War theme, um, before I got God of War 4 or Rebuilt, whatever you want to call it, I got God of War 3 remastered for the PS4 and decided to tackle it once again. I think it's like the third or fourth time I've played through it now. I decided to get all the godly possessions, not trying any sort of super hard mode or anything, um, although I might try Titan mode at a later date. It's a great game. Um, it's probably the, the weaker story-wise out, out of the original trilogy, um, purely because it's, you know, it's quite simple now. Kratos knows what he needs to do. It needs to eliminate the gods and it's just a case of going through the motions and the mazes and everything to go in all the combat to get there um but it's great um it's obviously it's it's pretty pretty good game pretty, pretty good looking game sorry especially for ps3 and even on ps4 as a um as a remastered game um it's, it's brutal it's brash um and in some cases even eye-poppingly yeah, gorgeous as well on to something largely different uh, the Ratchet and Clank, uh, well reboot, I, I assume it is, um, made by Insomniac Games again, which is which is good. You know what you're going to get. Unfortunately, after only a couple of hours, it does seem like it is pretty much the same thing as all the previous games. Um, not that that's a bad thing per se. It's just nothing really different. They seem to have used the the PS4 as an opportunity for far more cinematic approach. Obviously, there was an accompanying film to this as well, which I haven't seen. Um, 
let me know if that's actually worth watching or not. I hear he's got quite a good voice cast, including Sly Stallone, I believe. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's familiar territory, which is not always a bad thing, like I say. Um, so it's early doors so far, though. So now moving on to television shows. Um, the one highlight of, of last month was almost it was definitely Barry, um, the HBO stroke Sky Atlantic in the UK uh, broadcast series, created by Bill Hader, starring Bill Hader, and quite often writing and directing as well, um, along with the, his colleague Alec Berg. So you play uh, Bill Hader plays Barry Berkman, who's a disgraced marine who's turned into a hitman for hire, can't stand his job. Um, obviously keeps in hiding moving from place to place works for a pretty nice handler as well but he, he wants out he's had enough he can't find meaning in his life apart from having to kill people bear in mind they are killing bad people so it's not all bad um as such but um he moves to uh, la to do a job and it's infiltrating an acting class in uh, in los angeles and he finds his passion he, he decides he wants to become an actor and Obviously, that is a very wide open uh, space sort of hobby to have. Um, but he finds a girl, he, he finds friendship, he finds a life, a life he's never had for such a long time. Um, obviously, he's trying to juggle both. He's still on the job um, and obviously not wanting to um, expose himself. But at the same time, channeling his, his inner, inner fury into his acting. And it's, um, it's very, very enlightening to watch. There's only eight episodes, but that's actually... A really good thing it gets right to the point um they only last 20 25 minutes but again that they're perfectly paced there's there's no mistake in that um his handler is played by stephen root who who people may remember from um office space of 1999 played um, milton they often picked on office clerk um i mean I'm not going to give anything away it's really worth watching it has finished now uh, it's brilliantly performed amazingly written and it's just an absolute joy to watch go and see it and lastly uh, for tv a bit of an extended little piece on this one um because there's a bit of a wrap around it designated survivor um you may have heard about this it's uh, basically jack bauer as president of the united states um i know what name of course but um so Keeper Sutherland plays Tom Kirkman, um, who has to remain he's one he's the individual who has to remain behind after uh, during the State of the Union address, which is a real thing. Um and he is the current HUD secretary, now played by uh, now played by sorry, um who in real life is Ben Carson at the moment, who obviously went for the presidency candidacy and didn't get it in real life. Um, but he inadvertently becomes president because everyone at a terrorist attack on the State of the Union destroys all of Congress, every member, um, obviously in including the current president as well. So he takes the position, firstly obviously he's a bit naive, not sure what to do, whether he can do it or not. And it builds over time, he's got his trusted individ uh, in, uh, individuals around him, his old advisors, he's brought his own staff in, all that kind of thing. They're all a bit reluctant as well at first, not sure whether he's up to the job. And obviously things turn around and there's the second plot thread where there's the conspiracy itself and the terrorist attacked why did it happen who did it and it, it goes on such as that for, for two for its two seasons and i say it goes on for its two seasons it was actually cancelled in the last wave of um, cancellations in in the u.s um it's hopefully but i've heard nothing since going to be picked up by netflix who actually distribute it to the uk um, I'm quite hopeful um, it will get picked up because 
it leaves on a cliffhanger, um, as it often does in, in this series as well, on most episodes, let alone seasons. Um, and it, it needs finishing off. I think one more season would probably do it. Um, you know, take take Tom Curtin through a term, a presidential term, see where it goes. A lot of things have happened to him. Again, I'm not going to spoil anything here, even though it's a two-year-old show. Um, it, it's got that kind of uh, 24 production to it, without not as much action per se, but it's got that kind of feel to it, um, along with other cast members that have appeared in there as well. It's It's got a good hook to start with. The Designated Survivor hook is a good one. Um, it does start to get a little bit complicated and, and digging down the rabbit hole in terms of the conspiracy but there was enough there to keep you interested and to keep it going on. Um, but yeah, like I say, I think one more season would do it justice. And finally for TV, um, so a another Marvel production. Obviously, they're, they're Team Dam doesn't at the moment, possibly even a saturated market, but uh, Runaways uh, was, was pretty good. Um, it wasn't um, perfect. It was a bit slow, um, very pedestrianly paced, quite long, with, I think it was 10 episodes. Uh, it's, it's certainly deliberately building the tension uh, and it's about, about a group of teenagers who think their families are up to no good they seem to, to meet up a lot and, and wonder what's happening they don't their lives don't normally intersect so much um, but it's all the front basically for a cult uh, known as the pride no other spoilers other than that obviously there's a lot more to it a lot more sinister proceedings to that but the kids are growing up now they're, you know, they're joining college and things like that so they're getting cleverer and they're starting to see what you know what their parents uh, are up to or potentially up to, and also finding about their pasts as well, which play a massive part also. Uh, and say after after the the series, the tension was really good. Um, it it's got a good balance, arguably better than than the uh, the comic book itself that uh, the original uh, Brian K. Vaughan um, version of that that is, because obviously Joss Whedon has written some Runaways as well. It doesn't overdose on the darkness. It keeps things quite fun and light and very teenage feels, if you like, as well. And and very earnest performances throughout as well. If I was to weigh these up with um, the other alternative on, on Fox, known as The Gifted, uh, which is more of a, a family who they find out their kids are mutants and they're on the run so they can protect them, I would say the runaway, Runaways runs away with it after all. And so on to movies now. Um, so the first one I've gone for is, I'm a bit late to the party with this one, but it's a big year. I've been uh, writing this uh, for, for some time. So Avengers Infinity War. Uh, wow. What what can you say? You know, this is deemed the biggest Marvel movie yet. It is the most successful Marvel movie yet. I think it's fourth in the all-time highest grossing money list um, in current uh, not current inf inflation rates, whatever, but yes, uh, it's up there, just behind Avatar and everything like that. Um, it's one hell of a Titanic movie, has to be said. It's you know the plot's quite simple, and um, it goes straight into it. You know Thanos wants the Infinity Stones. He's going to wipe out half half the universe, half of Earth, of its population, and. All the characters are in here, you know, it even manages to put in the Guardians of the Galaxy, which obviously play a key element to this story anyway, but it manages to throw them in as well as all the Earth heroes. Uh, they all have a part to play, even in the small chunks that they get. And the best thing about the best thing about Infinity War is that the feel of real peril for the heroes is there. There are too many, obviously, comic books, 
you know, superheroes show up on the scene, they save the day, blah, 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 the end. But this is a case of, you know, there is some genuine peril here. Like, you're not sure, you're really not sure what is going to happen um, to any character at any point. Um, it's really worth watching. I think it's still in theatres just about. It's probably worth waiting now uh, if it's on limited showing just to wait for the for the DVD, Blu-ray. I certainly, certainly will be looking into that. It's it's definitely the best Marvel movie so far. It's all been building up to this. It's the 19th Marvel movie. There's a lot of movies, but they've all been building up to this, and it's well worth the wait. So next is uh, Disney Pixar's Coco. Um, pleasantly surprised by this one. I'm not saying I, I was downplaying it or not expecting anything good, but uh, the the subject matter is quite different. Um, so it deals, you know, it deals with life, death. And, and the culture around it um it's a feast of on the eyes for sure uh, and also on the emotions it's you know um and it's regarding um a young boy named miguel he absolutely adores music wants to be a musician and part of that is because his family have decided to ban music um because of uh, a walk out by the great great grandfather it was known as uh, Ernesto de la Cruz. So Miguel decides to try and find a way to, you know, to look into his past. Um, if he was born to be a musician, because he feels like he he was, and he inadvertently ends up in the land of the dead. Uh, as bleak as that sounds, it's it's not. It's purely a, a passing place for where past relatives who are represented as as, as skeletal. Um, cartoonish skeletal figures of, of past and present people uh, and as long as their families are remembering them with in the real world with photographs or you know other memories as well then they get to exist in that plane um, if people remember you for so long you can then cross to the other side and what Miguel needs to do is try and find blessing from his family to be able to make music and when his family initially doesn't do that he decides to seek out his uh, would-be great-great-grandfather so Coco like I say is, is a brilliant beautiful movie um, it's a bit laboured at, at the start um, nothing really special not to say it's poor or anything like that, it's just not not very special um, but it's it turns out at the end the end payoff um, at the end of the movie and the beautiful song they've created I believe won an Oscar uh, remember me um, the payoff emotionally um, is fantastic it really does work and it leaves you with a, such a sense of it's got such a sense of feeling and passion to it, it and you can't it can't not resonate with people and it, as, as a result it, it certainly picks our best original work in years obviously they've been bringing out lots of sequels the franchise that they've created you know there's there's some safety in that um but yeah, this is an original work. It's really good. It 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 it's it's got the culture spot on. The the music fits the bill as well. It's absolutely perfect. Mexican culture. Uh, it it's the soundtrack is absolutely beautiful, and both the score and of course that song I mentioned before, "Remember Me." It's well worth seeking out the soundtrack. Um, and the the thing was about Coco compared to more recent Pixar movies that as soon as I'd finished watching it I was thinking to myself when am I going to watch this again I really need to see this again and there's not many films that do that in, in this day and age in terms of Disney and it certainly fits in with Disney magic 
And finally, for movies, um, what a 30-year-old gem, um, which many people will probably won't have seen or heard of, um, but it's actually more available than you think it is. Midnight Run uh, from 1988. Uh, it's directed by Martin Brest, who made the first Beverly Hills Cop. Now, a lot of people will know that one a lot more, obviously. Um, the excellent cop, cop movie with Eddie Murphy. This one um, stars Robert De Niro. He was trying some different roles um, towards you know, the late 80s and early 90s. Um, and th this is definitely one of the best ones of those. He plays a bounty hunter called Jack Walsh, who's um, had enough of, of being a bounty hunter. He's doing it because he used to be a, um, he used to be a cop. And he just wants one last payoff. And that payoff comes in the form of Jonathan Mardukas, known as the Duke, who used to be an accountant for a mafia firm, and until he he decided to give all the money away to charity, and his um his uh, bail is he's skipped bail, so Rob De Niro is the man to come and bring him in. So it's it becomes basically a bit of an odd couple scenario between De Niro and Charles Grodin, who plays the Duke. Um, and that's the centre stage of the movie. They get to know each other really well. Um, De Niro is very abrasive. Um, and Charles just wants to get to know his captor. Um, he doesn't seem to be worried or rattled about any anything that's going off. Um, and I think in the end the honesty stays true to, to both the characters. And it's a perfect mix uh, of indifference... There is a lot of language in this film, um, so it's worth warning about that, really, just in case that that doesn't um, that's not your thing. Um, but you can, it's 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 usually tastefully done. Danny Elfman's soundtrack is absolutely brilliant. Um, this is before he started really more collaborating with Tim Burton like he does nowadays. Um, it, it's it's just fun. It's just it, it seems ahead of its time. Um, more like more like a nineties film than a than an eighties film. I think it's that kind of transition between eighties and nineties. A bit like what Beverly Hills Cop Two was compared to One, if you like. I think I always think Beverly Hills Cop Two looks more like a nineties movie when it was only three years after. Um, but yeah, it's well worth seeking out. It's available on UK Netflix and Amazon Prime, I believe, as well. And it's well worth seeking out. And so that's the, the round-up done um, for the month. And with this being the first podcast, obviously every feature is new. And the first one I wanted to do was something I like to call Blast from the Past. Blast from the Past. Okay, so I'll make sure I work on a jingle for next time. This is the first podcast after all. I can but try. So for this first blast from the past, um, I'm going to pick on a game that's nearly 20 years old now, believe it or not. Um, so you can guess what it is from the theme song.
For those who guessed it, it's Sonic Adventure 2 that originally came out for the Dreamcast back in 2001 and is the sequel to the hugely successful Sonic Adventure 1, also for the Dreamcast. Sonic Adventure 2 was the Sonic Swan song for the Dreamcast, which had it already been announced as being discontinued. It is produced by one of the creators of Sonic, Yuji Naka, and directed by the now head of Sonic team, Takashi Lizuka. The production timeline was important, given it was the 10th anniversary of Sonic, and given the, the type of game it is and more faster paced and action orientated 3D adventure, it's crazy to believe how far it came in just 10 years from the original Sonic the Hedgehog on the Mega Drive. On a personal level, I mean, when this game came out 17 years ago, I mean, I, I loved it. I had it for the Dreamcast. Um, obviously, I've got it on the Xbox 360 as well. Um, and I've re-experienced it um, for the sake of this uh, this podcast and revisit. And it's got it's got plenty of issues now. Um, considering the praise it got back then, gained scores of such as like 9.4 with IGN Entertainment, uh, 7 out of 10 of Edge, believe it or not, as well. Given the problems that this game has, it's hard to believe that it actually got the praise it did. As the saying goes, you know, something ages like a fine wine. Sonic Adventure 2 is aged like that 10 foot sandwich Homer Simpson covets in the episode Selma's Choice. What's presented originally is great, even exciting. But as it wears on, the niggles and issues start to just grate and the excitement soon wears off. And by the end you're just cursing the damn thing. And yet somehow, you can't be mad at it for trying new things especially given its significance in the Dreamcast era and the new direction that Sonic was heading in. But from the outside it's easy to call it a rotten egg given there's so much wrong with it. The camera is godly awful in this game. Um, first good example is the first Sonic boss. So the camera is centred on the, the, the robot you're trying to defeat, the military robot. But it's almost as if you were kneeling down and looking upwards like that kind of effect with a camera to make something look massive and it's it fixated on as if you were target uh, z, uh, z targeting almost like like zelda on the boss the whole time so there's no navigating around it you cannot change it you can't change anything so sonic is literally running around in a circle you can't deviate either way and it's truly awful it fits the purpose of the boss just a route but thankfully they're very very short The camera continues to plague throughout, especially the knuckles and rouge levels, which require to explore for three fragments of crystals or emeralds or whatever within an exploration level where there are various obstacles, wind tunnels, that kind of thing. Or And, and as, the, as it goes on, you learn more abilities such as knuckles can, can dig and that's when it becomes really great in when um, the crystal shards are placed in totally random places there they're not fixed anytime you play it so the, you know, there's no guides that can really help you uh, other than than tips of it beeps when you're nearby it will beep slower and and flash green it will beep faster again and beep yellow and it will beep super fast when you're very close but in some cases it could literally just be one panel of a wall that you're, you're away or something like that or it's so minute or you glide so fast and the camera is all over the place it's very hard to control and um 
that you just missed that spot and you, you've flown all the way out of the way and you've got to fly all the way back again and or it could be on top of a top of a platform that you find you can't climb up because it's, it's above your head and, and you're hitting the ceiling and you can't you know knuckles can't climb on these ceilings such as like Kratos in God of War for example he can't you know climb round ceilings and stuff like that he's got to go down and go, to go up again that kind of thing and and what it might stretch out the adventure and stuff is is hugely tedious they're not plot filled elements at all um you know and and, and moving on to that as well the, the plot itself is very threadbare and most of the cutscenes are pretty cringeworthy especially if you listen to them in the english language um they're just dreadful and a lot of the time as well believe it or not the music is so loud in the game it actually drowns out the voice acting and um, so it's kind of a a good thing but also a bad thing and um, i mean obviously subtitles are on offer and i would you're better off listening to the japanese text anyway the high points of this um, 17 year old adventure are definitely the sonic and or shadow levels so the game is split into two different stories um hero and dark you pick hero obviously you pick that you're playing the good guys you've got sonic you've got tails and you've got knuckles and then the dark side you've got shadow the hedgehog so this is his first game as well uh rouge and dr robotnik or sorry eggman as he's now known um and they they kind of mirrored the same the levels look different but they play the same so tails are the same as eggman rouge is the same as knuckles sonic is the same as shadow and it, it, it sticks to that too rigidly. So Sonic will face Shadow a lot and vice versa um, because of the gameplay, because of the styles. And so will Eggman and and Tails who both drive uh, walking kind of tank transformer plane things with very simple targeting uh, technique of guns. It's just, it's it, it's hard to describe because it's just pretty bad really um very basic no no tactics to their levels whatsoever the sonic levels and shadow levels are much more fun can you can imagine they're so much faster the city escape level is is really quite good um i think it, it's it's aged the best out of all of it it plays you know if if there were demos being released at this stage it would be the perfect taste of demo to say yeah i'm on board with this problem is is that they don't improve on that really some of the levels do look nice the jungle level looks nice there's lots of crazy fast sequences and it's more than just holding up on the joystick um one point i must make though about the city escape level is that for some reason sonic is completely invulnerable to everything he's completely he's hitting parked cars left right and center or cars coming at you and they just bounce off him as if they're nothing so i don't know what that's about but there's some good sequences and there's some really fast, some fast, fast, fast paced gameplay, uh, and some precision required as well. You know they can be quite difficult. Enemies pop up right in front of you. Reactions have got to be quick, and it's something you can build on. You can go back into the levels, do time trials, get um, secret animals, that unlock further things, um, and and stuff like that. Overall, though, it's it's a lesson in nostalgia, I guess, um, as, as a lot of these games are nowadays. It, it led the, the most significant thing about the Sonic Adventure games is it did lead on to other slightly better experiments, but they didn't seem Sonic Team Sonic didn't really learn their lessons. Um, so Sonic Heroes was their first 
big new venture after Sonic Adventure 2 um, for the for the next consoles, PS2 and, and whatever, and GameCube as well. And while it had some fast gameplay and had the unique team element uh, that seemed to work quite well, it, it still had the same camera issues. It was just a bit of a, a nightmare at times and it's something they can never really fix. Um, and you may have seen now, I mean, down the line, they've got, you know, the, the recent Sonic Mania, which, okay, it's not Team Sonic developed, but um, I think Team Sonic are actually struggling nowadays um, with, with some of the development. But um, Sonic Mania is is a real return to form and it is really the the main Sonic game now to, to seek out. And obviously there's a new version plus coming out soon as well, which I'm really looking forward to. But in terms of where Team Sonic went with this, I think it was significant at the time. But it's something that's not aged very well at all. Um, I mean, by all means, if you can pick it up cheap, it's worth it's worth a bit of a blast. It's probably worth sticking out to the end as well. If you complete both Hero and Dark Elements, you get a nice extra sequence involving Supersonic, which um, a lot of fans will be pleased about. There's a there's a big payoff at the end there. Uh, much better the, uh, than the Sonic Generations. Um, end of level, end of game boss, which was absolutely horrendous, and that was the game that obviously celebrated the 20th anniversary of Sonic. But Sonic Generations was generally a better game, so it's kind of a pros and cons sort of situation. And I think Sonic Generations is probably easy to get hold of nowadays too. And the um, the other major significant fact about Sonic Adventure 2 is that it was because of the the demise of the Dreamcast. And Sony moving from no uh, from away from hardware and just into software, so this was the first ever Sonic game that was released on a Nintendo console. Came out for the GameCube shortly after, uh, with some extra little bits in there. Um, so that is probably the most significant thing about this game, uh, which is not really the game itself. Then there's the soundtrack. Oh man, the soundtrack is something else. It's it falls in the category of so bad it's pretty amazing but mostly bad um, and I think that's pretty much its reputation um, the soundtrack is actually available on Spotify or you can listen to it in the game itself if you've got it so the first track um, from the city escape level um, escape from the city I believe it's called is a pretty good number um, but the rest of it is I mean, especially the knuckles level is, is, is kind of a, a rap come I don't know R&B number that's basically describing where Knuckles has been and very random. You know me, the fighting freak Knuckles, and we're at Pumpkin Hill. You ready? I ain't gonna let it get to me. I'm just gonna creep down in Pumpkin Hill. I don't even know what this is. It's just. It's bonkers, but I mean, you, you drown it out pretty fast. It's, it's not exactly intruding on anything. It's not loud. It's not brash. The rest of it's kind of like J-pop kind of metal type stuff. So it's more exciting. But this is just wow. It's just bad. But most of the time, it's stuff like this. Where it's all very fast and. Attributes to, to the speed of the level quite well. This is one of the Sonic, it's the Green Forest level, and it works really well. You know, it's, it's non stop running, 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 running obstacles and jumping, precision jumping onto uh, you know, 
platforms and, and such. So, I mean, it, it kind of works. It, it's, I wouldn't say it was memorable in any way, shape, shape or form, unlike the old Sonic games, though. But, I mean, yeah, it, it's got its own taste to it. And there you pretty much have it. I mean, it, it's it's not a bad little package. You can pick it up pretty cheap and stuff. Um, it's not perfect by any means, but... Um, it's got a lot of things wrong with it, but there's a lot of fun to be had with it too. Um, and I think the best way to probably sum it up is this. This is all your fault. How can I stay mad at you? And so for now, and that's the end of my first episode. Um, like I say, I'm a complete amateur at this. You may well think that listening to this, I'm hoping to grow, grow the content see what you think if there's some other games you want me to cover um i hope you appreciate any comments that'd be great um my um handle on twitter is agent underscore prince so any feedback would be greatly appreciated or maybe some suggestions for further blast from the past um anything you want really so until next time i'll leave you with this <laughs>